And so we can uh, make our way to to Romans chapter 6. We finished chapter 5 um, the last time a few weeks ago. Um, our last time out, we uh, we covered that whole chapter. And with that, we finished the section on justification by faith that Paul had been making the case for. That, um, that there was nothing that we could do to be justified before God to earn His righteousness or to have righteousness to stand before God. Um, but we did learn that the righteousness of Christ has been put into our account. And we are rich in that account with the righteousness of God. Not our own righteousness. Um, the, the judge himself, because of that, because of that single act um, of, of justification, has declared us not guilty. The judge himself, God himself, it says not guilty when, when we believe in Christ by faith. Um, and so whenever the judge, God, looks into your account, my account now, if you have believed by faith, whenever he, he, he opens up the account, however he does that, all he sees is the righteousness of Christ in the, in the believer's life. Isn't that amazing? That, that, that all your sins are not in there anymore. Jesus took those on the cross. And so every time he looks you up <laughs> or you up, he says the righteousness of God because you are justified. You have been, been declared not guilty by him. And so again, man, it's just like, man, we should bask in that. We should realize just how important that is in our life because how often do you feel so guilty that you feel like you can't even approach God and yet you're a child of God. You've asked him for forgiveness. You've believed by faith. And you feel this guilt just upon you and you're going, oh, I can't even approach him. And it's like, what you don't understand is that when he opens up the account, when he comes, when you come before him and say, hey, I'm here, he's going, oh yeah, pure righteousness. Again, that's what boggles the mind. That's what just get us excited because every time we come to him, he sees us through Jesus Christ. Again, it's just, it's just mind-blowing. So now we learn in chapters 6 through 8 about how or how we are to live those justified lives that we have been granted how how, how do we now live this life you have been declared not guilty there's righteousness put into your account how do you how do you move forward from here how do you live this out <clears throat> again just to see that, that, that one has been declared not guilty. And to continue, one, to continue living the way you continued to live before, it's like, wait a minute. If, if, if in like just real life, a, a scenario, you, you were as guilty as sin before the court and somebody declared you not guilty and you go back to do the same things that caused you to be guilty, wouldn't the judge go, wait a minute, man, wouldn't you be grateful that, that we just declared you not guilty and you go back and do the same old thing? You see, again, when we start thinking about this justified life and that he has declared us not guilty, how can we continue living the same way? How, how, how do we do that? 
Because if, if nothing has changed in your life after you said, well, I've accepted Jesus, I'm righteous, right? Yeah, right on. There should be something that causes you not to live the same way because of that. There should be a changed life. There should be this deep down gratitude that is going, I will do whatever you want me to do, God. <laughs> not my will, but your will be done. You know, again, when someone gets a new lease on life who has been declared not guilty in the physical sense here as far as, man, man, they, they, they are so grateful. It's like, man, I can't believe that they just like dropped all the charges. I don't want to ever do that again and be put in that situation once again, right? And so often as Christians, we, we say, well, thank you, Lord, for forgiving us and for giving me all the righteousness that God has, and I'm going to go live like the devil, like I used to. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not what we're called to do. You see, this justification and this grace that we have even talked about a couple of weeks ago should not lead us to go do more sin. It should lead us away from sin and being grateful for it. So because we, we finished a couple of weeks ago, we finished talking about the abundance of grace that we have received because we have been justified It says in chapter 5, verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, that where sin abounds, grace abounded much more. Um, again, there's so much grace that abounds. It, 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 it literally means it super abounds, that grace. And that grace, again, when you've been given this grace, it shouldn't give you the license to continue in your old ways, you should be just so grateful that, that you're going to do the opposite. This grace super abounds. It, it surpasses and continues to increase. Every time sin is present, um, grace abounds much more. Every time. Every time we see sin and we experience sin or it's facing us, there's more grace grace increases and surpasses by a trillion <laughs> when we see our sin. A trillion times a trillion. I don't even mess around with a million anymore. Or a billion. Not when we have a, a debt like in the trillions. It's like, yeah. Your, your, your sin, whenever there's sin, there's so much more grace that abounds. Man, oh man. So because of that statement that Paul made, that, that, that wherever sin abounded, grace abounded much more, those who were hearing this letter or reading this letter, all of a sudden, they, they had to almost like, I object. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did, did you just say what you said? That where sin abounds, grace abounded much more. Again, this whole, this whole letter has been kind of like a little courtroom setting. And it's almost like somebody would object. The, the, the Christian that, 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 that's coming out of the Jewish religion would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, how, how is that possible? And, and, and it's almost like they would say, in a sense, well, well, if we can have more of God's grace in our lives by me sinning, Shouldn't I keep on sinning that I may have more and more grace? A trillion times more grace? <laughs> and so this is where we pick up this evening. 
And I think that sometimes that is our mindset. I know I've had that in my life <laughs> as a Christian. I, I, I presumed on God's grace. I knew that he would forgive me. I knew that if there was sin, he'd pour out his grace. And I think that's our mindset sometimes. That, well, can I keep on doing what I've been doing in order to experience more of God's grace? And it's like, no, that's not, that shouldn't be our heart. That we should continue to sin. And so we're going to see how far we get tonight. I'm planning to get to verse 13, but we'll see. Verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto de- into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. That the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And so going back to verse 1, verses 1 through 4 right there, again, as he has kind of talked about Well, let's go back to verse 18 of chapter 5. I want to read that portion because, again, it kind of sets the stage for when he says, what shall we say then? Verse 18 of chapter 5, he says, Therefore, as uh, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many uh, will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness, to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so hearing that, 
Paul or they ask the question, it's a rhetorical question that Paul is asking. He says, what, what shall we say then? Because of those things, because of all this that we've been learning, what should we say? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? If, if, if that's the case, then I want to continue to sin because I like God's grace. And again, if we've experienced God's grace, we know that it is, it is His unmerited favor. He gives it to us when we don't deserve it. And, when, and if we're sinning, then He is pouring out more of His grace. So shouldn't we keep on sinning so that we can continue to experience this amazing grace that we sing about? And, and, and Paul, again, it's almost like, no, no. It's an emphatic no. You, you see, I, Paul, I, I, I was wondering this, as, as he asked this question himself, I wonder if Paul was thinking this because maybe, just maybe, when he first experienced the the justification that came when he believed, I wonder if he had that going through his mind. Well, I'm experiencing God's grace while I have been such a, a wretched sinner. I wonder if he thought, man, I have experienced so much of his grace that maybe I should keep on sinning. We might think, no, Paul would never have thought that. But he knew that others might be thinking that. <laughs> so it's quite possible he had thought that himself too, thinking, man, if God gives so graciously his grace in light of sin, why shouldn't people sin? See, oftentimes we have that mindset that, that because he is so good to us, that we should continue to sin. And I think it's in our naivete, our simplicity, our, 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 uh, our innocence that we can think that. What, what do I do after receiving this kind of grace? Do I keep on sinning? Do I keep on doing? What, what, what do I do with this? Do I continue doing what I've always done? You see, again, when, when, when we we come to Christ, we often don't know it all. We don't know exactly what do we do now. And, and I don't know where you were at when you came to Christ, but I knew nothing really. All I knew was that I accepted Christ. And so I'm thinking, what do I do now? Do I keep on doing what I was doing? Or, or, or do I change? <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's interesting because we don't always know what to do. <laughs> Although, I, I, I was thinking about that, and I thought, most non-Christians know what Christians should be doing. <laughs> so it's almost like, yeah, we do know. We do know what to do oftentimes. And we know that, well, we shouldn't be the same as we used to be. I, I, I know, again, I, I didn't know much but I knew that I had done something spiritual in my life and I wanted to, to change my life. And so I, I, I didn't want to continue doing and being the person I was. And so somehow his spirit showed me that I needed to change. And so Paul, when he says, shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound and he emphatically says No. No, don't continue doing what you were doing before. Certainly not. He says, God forbid, perish the thought. 
It would be unthinkable that you would continue in that same mindset, thinking that it's okay to continue to sin. He says, no. And the reason why is because, no, when you accepted Christ, you became dead to sin. You were no longer (laughs) alive to, to sin. You were supposed to be dead to sin. I shared a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday morning that the person who has died cannot sin anymore. Why? Because he's dead. He has no desire to sin because he's, he's dead. There, there's no feeling anymore in, in, in that person. You can tempt him with whatever you want and he will not sin because he is dead to sin. There's no more life in him to sin. He can't. (laughs) See, the tense here is is that you have, how shall we who have died? The tense is you've already died. You've died to sin. Death has already occurred, and that occurred when you became born again. The moment you received the salvation into your life, you died. You died. Spiritually, or not spiritually speaking, well, it is spiritually speaking. You, you were born again, so your spirit was alive and, and your flesh was supposed to be put to death. Oh, not the physical flesh like this. You know, I mean, we still move around and walk around. But that old man, that those fleshly desires were supposed to die the moment you became a Christian. When you were made alive in the spirit, the flesh, that old man, died. When when, when someone dies or is dying, they still have the ability to sin when they're only mostly dead. They're slightly alive. So if they're slightly alive, they can still sin. But when they're all dead, (laughs) they don't have that ability anymore. There's no more ability to sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The moment you ask Christ into your life, you died. And he says, you can't keep on sinning. You can't have that mindset of continuing to sin. Why? Because you have died. You have died. You can't can't live for it anymore. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have been crucified with Christ, he says. The moment you, you came to Christ, you were supposed to die to yourself so that the Spirit in you will live. Anything that you were before is dead. Your new creation He says in in, in verse 
in verse 3, Or do you not know? Do you not know that as many of you, of you as were baptized into Christ, you were baptized to his death? And again, this is where, again, as I was contemplating this, thinking, I didn't know that. I didn't know all of that ramifications. That, that when I asked God into my life, that I was saying, I am dying. But I began to know afterwards. <laughs> I didn't know all, all that it entailed. But I began to know. And I think this is an important thing that, that in verse 3, 6, and 9, he talks about knowing. We are to know these kinds of things, guys, because if we don't know these kinds of things, then we will continue to sin as if we're living in the flesh. And so we are to understand, we are to, to learn what it means to be justified so that we won't continue in sin. You need to know that when you accepted Christ, you became a dead person to sin. You, you're, not, you're not supposed to sin anymore. And I, I, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Well, shoot, I can still sin. I still sin. Because I remember sitting in, in, in a big church right after I got saved, and I'm thinking, man, none of these people sin anymore. They're all perfect. And then I got to know them. Because I thought I was the only one because I was brand new. I was still brand new and I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, it's like, I don't know how not to sin. I, I'm still sinning. But these people, they know that they're not supposed to and they don't sin anymore. And then I realized, man, there's this battle that, that rages on in people's lives. <laughs> I did not know a lot when I got saved. But I did know that I had done something spiritual that day. I did know that much, but I wanted to know more of what I didn't know. I didn't know that baptism symbolized or what it symbolized, but I found out. And when I understood what baptism was all about, then, then it made sense to me of why I felt the way I felt. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to sin anymore. I realized, oh, that's what I did. I died and I was buried. And when I came up out of the water, I had a new life. I mean, that was all symbolic. That had happened the day I got saved, but I didn't know all that. I didn't know that I had actually like died to myself and that I had become a new person in that sense. And so when I knew that, I wanted to, to know even more. And so it's important that, that we know these kinds of things in that, 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 that are in the Word of God so that we can walk in the newness of life and not continue to walk in death. Now, we are to identify with Christ's death, as it says here in verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of you as were baptized... They were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death. Now, it would have been a bummer if that's where it, it, it stopped, that we could only identify with Christ's death. It, it, it would be a bummer in, in that we could only understand his death and burial. I, I think baptism would 
would look a lot different. I, I, I would baptize people and just keep on holding them down <laughs> because that's all we can identify. And then when the flailing stops, you just let them go. It's like, I'm sorry, you're dead. <laughs> you can identify with Christ now. <laughs> but, but see, we, we identify in his death and his burial, but we also identify in the resurrection. See, that, that's what it means when they bring you back up. <laughs> it's like I'm a new person. So we identify in his death and in his burial, but we identify also in the resurrection. And that is what gives us the newness of life. You see, that's what symbolizes that we are a new creation. We're new people. We don't have to stay the same anymore because we've been justified. We are to definitely identify ourselves with his death and with his burial because that is where we see Jesus taking on our sins and paying the price for our sins. The, the, the price that we could never pay for. And we see that in his burial, that's where we see that our sins have been done away with. They're, they're, they're buried. They're done. But if there's no newness of life, what kind of life can we continue to lead? Without Jesus raising from the dead, how, how do we know if he really paid the price? Well, he could have told us all day long. You know, if I, if I told you, hey, I'm here to die for your sins, and when I died, you're going, wow, he died for my sins. How do you really know that I died for your sins? How do you know it was, it was a good, good enough payment? Well, you see, when Jesus resurrected, he proved that he did. That's where, I guess that's what changes everything. Because anybody could say, hey, I could, I'm going to die for your sins. But unless they can, like, have victory over it, <laughs> how do we really know? Jesus didn't go through the death, burial, and resurrection so that we would still be the same people we started off like. That we would be in the same state. He didn't go through all of that so that we can continue to sin. No, He, 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 he came and he, he died and He was buried and He resurrected so that we can experience the newness of life and He expects us to walk in the newness of life. Because we have been made new, not better. You see, Jesus, is resurrected, Jesus resurrected. His resurrection is not the same as, as being resuscitated. It wasn't like he was dead and they resuscitated him back to life and he was the same Jesus that when he died. Not, not, not like um, Lazarus. When, when he died, even though he was dead for four days, when he brought him back to life, he was still the same Lazarus as when he died. But see, resurrection is not the same as being res- resuscitated. And so when, when we have died, we're not born again so that we can be better than what we were before. No, we're new. <laughs> we're not better, we're new. That, that, that's what this means, that we have a new form of life. We are completely made new. And so in verse 5, he says, For if we have been united 
or it should be, for since we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. This is where the term sanctification comes in. We have been made justified by faith and righteousness has been imputed into our account. We covered that a few weeks back. That word imputation. That, that, that he took out your sins and he put in his righteousness. It was imputed into your account. So now since we have been united together in the likeness of his death and in the likeness of his resurrection, this, this is where the, the word sanctification comes in in that righteousness has now been imparted into our lives. Justification means that it's been imputed. Sanctification means that it's been imparted into our lives. We have been made new. And we are being made righteous day in and day out. It is a process that now continues. Justification was a one-time event, whereas sanctification is a progressive process that happens in our lives. But there is something that happens in between justification and sanctification and that is regeneration regeneration is is a spiritual change that happens in the life of a believer but it is the act of god which is justification when he justifies he regenerates us he regenerates us something happens in that moment and 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 the region in regeneration, a person's sinful nature has been changed. You're not the same anymore. He he is made new. He is born again. And because of this regeneration, we are now enabled to respond to God in faith through sanctification. We can now respond to Him. Because we couldn't before because we were dead. We couldn't respond. We were dead spiritually. But once we were justified, He made us brand new. And now we can walk in sanctification and that that process. Knowing that the old man, knowing this, He says, that the old man was crucified. And guys, this is where the battle is. (laughs) This is the battle that, that, that we face as Christians. We have been justified. We have been regenerated and sanctified with a new life. And now we can walk in the newness of life. But we also have this old man <laughs> that lingers. It's, it, we have this old man that we contend with day in and day out. We, we wrestle with him. We fight with him because he doesn't want to die easily. And so every day we battle. As I was thinking about that, I, thought, I think we could call it like a zombie here. You know? 
It's like this walking dead. It like never dies. It does not want to die. It does not want to stay crucified. It doesn't want to stay in the grave. It continues to come after us day in and day out. And we battle that, don't we? Even though we've been justified. Even though we've been regenerated. Even though we've been sanctified and we are being sanctified, we continue to contend with this old man day in and day out. That's the battle, guys. And each day when we win and when we have victory, we we get a little closer to God, don't we? It just seems like, man, there's a battle. And we fight it, guys. Every one of us fights this. Every one of us who, who claims to be justified battles this. Every one of us who claims to be regenerated battles this. And sanctified, yes, you continue, continue to battle this. This zombie of, a, of our flesh, man, just doesn't want to die. Guys, this is where, again, we get to walk in this newness of life. He has given us the ability to continue to battle this. I found a quote in the book that I'm reading for this. It's called the, the Gospel According to Grace by Chuck Smith. He says, If you want forgiveness, if I want forgiveness from my sins, I must see Christ on the cross dying for me. If I want power over sin in my life, I must see myself crucified and raised again with him. You see, Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins. And, and, and he stayed on the cross to deliver us from our sin, guys. I think oftentimes we're, we're satisfied with the forgiveness of sin. And then we say, but oh, it's just my old nature I have to contend with. And we continue to sin. And it's like, no, he stayed on the cross to deliver us from our sin. We can be delivered from our sins, guys. We can have victory over sin. And I think oftentimes we're going like, man, but it's just too hard. It's like, really? It was kind of hard for Jesus to die, wasn't it? <laughs> he, 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 he kind of went through a lot for that. And he didn't do it so that you can continue to sin and continue in your life. Because I guess this is where I, I, a lot of people have this battle. Well, are they really saved or not? Because if they're really saved, they, didn't, they don't want to continue in sin. And again, I, I know there's people that will say, well, you know, you, you judge them and, and stuff like that. But it's like, well... If somebody is truly born again, their desire is not to sin anymore. Are we going to sin? Absolutely, guys. You know I'm not talking perfection here. But you're not even putting up a fight. You don't even want to put up a fight against sin. You like it. And granted, sin is fun or else you wouldn't be doing it, right? But that's that battle, right? That's a battle that we contend with. But here he's telling us, don't you know that the old man has been crucified? The the, the phrase done away with, that sin might be done away with. That that phrase in the King James is is, might be destroyed. And yet it's it's one word in the Greek. Katagors, whatever. K-A-T-A-R-G-E-O. And it means to render uh, entirely idle, useless, literal, literally or figuratively. It carries words like 
abolish, cease, cumber, deliver, destroy, do away, become or make of no, none, without effect, fail, loose, bring, come to nothing, put away, down, vanish, away, made void. In other words, he wants our bodies... (laughs) the bodies of sin, to be put out of business, unemployed, inactive, inoperative. We are to do that with the body of sin. We are to put it out of business, guys. This flesh that me and you live in, day in and day out, we're supposed to put it out of business day in and day out, every day. Every day is that battle. And, and, and again, I think we, we think like, man, it's just so hard. And, and I think of the scripture where, where, where Jesus comes back and his disciples are, are sleeping. And he says, you know, the, the flesh is, is willing, but the, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we often just go for the flesh is weak. But guys, we forget that other part where it says the spirit is willing. The spirit is always willing to win. The spirit is always willing to have victory in your life. If you claim to be a Christian, you have the spirit of God living in you. And guess what? The Spirit of God is willing to defeat death or defeat sin every day. I think we're the ones that like the flesh. <laughs> we like to be weak. And yet, He's telling us here that we don't know, we no longer have to be slaves to sin. We get to choose every day whether we're going to sin or not. And I know sometimes we sin without even thinking. But we sin while we're thinking sometimes it's like oh, kind of, you know we're going to we, we, we purposely sin and yet we have the choice we no longer have to be slaves to sin because we have been justified we have been regenerated and sanctified we now have the ability not to sin we can choose to sin or not sin. I, I could guarantee you, some of us, man, we, we battle this and we often say, well, we're just struggling. It's like, what are you struggling about? Well, I don't know if I should or shouldn't. It's like, well, I could guarantee you, you shouldn't. Right? And you know that you shouldn't. But you're struggling because you want to sin. <laughs> and it's like, okay, there's the battle. There's the battle. You are choosing. When we say we're struggling, it means that we're battling and we're wanting to choose sin, but we know we shouldn't. Guys, we're all in this together. I hope you understand this. <laughs> I'm not just like here going, you bunch of sinners. You like to sin. You sinner. No, we all do, huh? We all battle this. And yet we're learning here that we don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. We can choose not to. I said a few weeks ago, and somebody reminded me of it the other day, that, that we, we cannot be sinless, but we can sin less. We can sin a whole lot less, guys. We choose. We have the choice either to let the old man take control and lead us, or we can choose to walk in the newness of life that is led by the Holy Spirit, who has given us the power to walk in victory. 
It says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now either the statement is true or it's not true, right? When it says, and we should underline that verse, He who has died, for he who has died is free from sin. It's not saying that we will never sin. It's just saying that we have been freed from the power that once held us. We have been freed from it. We no longer are slaves. We're free. Verses 8 through 10. It says, For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. That the life that he lives, he lives to God. Because we are in Christ, and we identify with Christ, we believe what is written about him pertains also to us. If he is, if he, if death or sin does not have dominion over him, then it doesn't have dominion over us either. If we are in him. If we've identified with his death, then it is not only natural that we can also identify with the life that he, he, he lives. We can live victorious like he does, because he conquered death. Death and sin have no dominion over Christ and it doesn't have any dominion over us as well. Why? Because He did all the work and we are in Him. And we don't have to do what our flesh tells us anymore. We can have victory over that. Jesus not only died or died for sin, but He also died to sin. In other words, He not only paid the penalty, but He broke the, the power of sin. And that's where we get to be in. We have that power. It's interesting. He died only once. And he suffered only once. Again, I, I was at this at the funeral. My brother-in-law was a Catholic funeral. And I understand what they do when they, when they become, or they start doing the Eucharist. Where, where, where it's a perpetual suffering of Christ. And it's like, man, it breaks my heart every time. When they, when they lift the, the Eucharist up and they bring it back down and they break it, they're, they're saying, Jesus is suffering once again for you and I. And it's like, no, He is not suffering any longer. It does not become the actual body of Christ. And yet, they continue to say, He's suffering and He's suffering and He's suffering. And it's like, no, He's already had victory. He already has victory over sin and death. He does not have to suffer anymore. He suffered once and for all and we get to experience the power because He has victory. And we no longer have to be slaves to sin. I'll just read verses 11 through 13. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. 
And do not present your, your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and as members as and your members as instruments of righteousness of God. Man, guys, we have a choice. We can present ourselves to whoever we want. If we want to continue ourselves, then we just open ourselves to that. And guess what? It will rule over us. Or we can present ourselves to God. (laughs) And we have that choice day in and day out, guys. And, And I'm not here to tell you that the battle is easy. If it was easy, we'd call it a cakewalk. <laughs> but it's not a cakewalk. It's a battle. And when you said, I want to be born again, you entered into the battle. But he gave you the ability to have victory and the power over sin. Amen? Let's walk in that victory. Let's walk in that newness of life. He's given us that power, guys. If you, if you feel guilt-ridden right now, l- listen to all that he has done for you already. And walk in that. And continue to walk in that. Because the enemy would love to come and just bring you down and say, it's for everybody else except you. That is a lie. Don't let that happen in your life. Walk in the newness of life. Understand justification, regeneration, and sanctification, and then walk in that. It's been imparted to you. Not because you're so good, because you were so bad. (laughs) It's been imparted to you, man. And so let us rejoice in that. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for your righteousness, Lord, that you have imputed into our account, Lord God. And not only that, you have now imparted it into our lives, Lord, that we can walk in the newness of life day in and day out, Lord. You have given us that ability to be able to have victory over sin. And Lord, I know that many in this room right now, Lord God, we battle day in and day out. And Lord, I pray that as we walk closer to you, as we understand just more of of what you've done on, on our behalf and given to us, that Lord, as we have victory over sin, that Lord, we would have more victory. That Lord, again, Lord God, we would desire to be closer to you we'll be able, Lord God, to defeat the enemy. Lord, I know that we're not going to be sinless, Lord. But I pray that we would have victory over more and more sin in our lives. That, Lord, we would be identified more with your death, burial, and resurrection than with our own flesh. Lord, help us to default to the Spirit and not to our flesh. Because you've given us the power. You've given us your spirit, and you've given us victory. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, if you need prayer, we'll have people up here. I'll be up here. If you just need to be...